This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome. This is Garden of Sound, brought to you with thanks to Mint Finance. Business loans made easy. Today on the show, Tom Harris, keyboardist extraordinaire and teacher, using his talents for musical good in such diverse offerings as Yurt Party, Deepwater Creek, and as accompanist for the long-running improvised comedy show Scared Scriptless, which runs at the Court Theatre. But with such an array of projects on the go, where is the space for Tom's own original compositions? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tom Harris on Plains FM 96.9. Tom, I want to start with uh, you being a young person. When was the, the first uh, moment that you realised there was a thing called music? <laughs> Uh, well, my mum loves to tell the story that I was uh, born to Stefan Grappelli and Django Reinhardt, some gypsy jazz, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I remember finding that music really boring when I was a kid. So, um, Is uh, that a lack of understanding of what's going on in it, though? Because it's mm. quite, it's got a quite complex, quite out there stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think as a, I teach a little bit of um, music at primary schools, at Eddington Primary School, and I've noticed that what impresses kids is very different from what impresses older people. So okay, so I, give me that. Give me that contrast. What are what are the yeah. kids sort of fired up by? Just instantly, kind of zingy is a strong one. Like Baby Shark is like your, your classic, or uh, shaving a haircut. Da, 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 you know, just classic. Okay. Yeah, um, and it's quite hilarious. You know, every now and then it's quite nice to feel like you want to impart some inspiration you know <laughs> as a experienced musician to kids and you think oh, I'm, I'm the one to do this I've got all this technique that I can uh, inspire and bedazzle them and you try and you're like I'm going to play you guys a song and you try and play them something really fast and hard and within about two seconds lost. They're, they're lost they're bored and you're like oh baby shark it is <laughs> so let's go back to yeah. uh, being a, a young person mm. um, we talk about Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli what other kind of music was around the house as, mm. as Tom was a youngster mm. uh, growing up mum and dad used to play a lot of uh, folk music, uh, Irish Celtic music, and some uh, klezmer, which has crept into later so, projects. Uh, yeah. Jewish, kind yes, of yeah, yeah, Eastern European. Yeah. Um, uh, also, quite a lot of mum loves Baroque music, so quite a lot of chamber music, and um, also uh, a lot of Pavarotti. Mm. <laughs> Was there any rock or pop growing up? Uh, not that much, actually, at all. Um, uh, quite a lot of sort of Simon and Garfunkel, old school, folky sort of stuff. Um, but no, I endlessly find myself discovering people now, listen, still listening now, who everyone else has heard of a long time ago, who I'm like, oh, these guys are cool. <laughs> Just recently discovering like Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin. or That kind of thing, yeah. that kind of thing. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Uh, was there musicality in the family in terms of uh, mm. performance, either vocals or instruments? Yeah, well, um, mum and dad used to play in a barn dancing band, actually. And um, mum's definitely the, the musical one. Um, Dad just has the good voice for uh, you know telling telling people what to do, um, but Mum uh, played for a long time in uh, orchestras, played violin, 
and um, now plays cello and taught herself piano and guitar. Um, and I originally uh, started learning Suzuki mm-hmm. piano. Um, so can you just explain to me the school of thought behind uh, Suzuki, that way of teaching? I'll probably offend uh, my friend Lorenz, who's a Suzuki teacher, and not do it justice. Uh, but I think some of the key things is that it uh, encourages you not to learn to read first, but to play by observing your teacher. Um, just observing. observing and by or, ear. Yeah. And by, people yes. always say by ear, yeah. but of course at first you do it by watching and your teacher showing you directly and memorizing, and then that forces you to develop your ear. You also listen to um, the CD of the repertoire a lot, which is some really beautiful classical music, very simple, and it's a really nice repertoire that builds up your skills. Uh, and you always know... Uh, another Suzuki kid because as soon as a Suzuki song comes on your eyes will yeah exactly the head goes up yeah and often parents sit in on the lessons because the idea is sort of like music's a language um, and if mum and dad are just kind of speaking it around the house or doing it with you rather than it as a special activity that you only do for half an hour a day more as this kind of holistic thing okay. then of course you're going to learn it better so how long did you do that for mm, i must have done that for two or three years with my teacher marilyn until she moved away uh, to auckland and then i switched to a regular uh teacher christy yao who's one of my favorite people um and uh, she was curious. She wasn't a Suzuki teacher, but she was curious about it and also curious about jazz and things like that. And I think at that time, as a maybe 10, 12-year-old, um, I was quite excited by not just classical music, sort of wanting to try these other things and um, kind of explore in these other directions. And she was really willing for me to do that as well. Look, yeah. We've got to get on to some music. We haven't specifically talked about um, that many artists apart from, you know, what was happening in the delivery room, yes. obviously. <laughs> um, so uh, who sort of influenced your, your, your playing style or what sort of like given you, given you the Tom, Tom mm. sound, any, any names you could reel off? For sure. Um, there's, I definitely have quite a few influences and um, I would say in a nutshell there's a sort of uh, neoclassical kind of vibe. Uh, I'm thinking Philip Glass and Arvo Pert and uh, Max Richter, uh, Olafur Arnold, some of those characters who do very uh, often called minimalist uh, piano music that's very cinematic and very beautiful. Um, and then in the jazz front, I've been really influenced uh, by Latin music, uh, Latin jazz, Michel Camilo, Ruben Gonzalez, uh, some of these people. Um, so I would say, yeah, that in terms of piano, uh, that's definitely my, my, draw, my draw card. Oh, and my all-time favorite, um, <laughs> also best name ever, uh, Egberto Gismonti. Egberto uh, Gismonti. Gismonti, who's this amazing Brazilian composer, and for me, oh, quite sort of seventies, eighties prominence. Um, he he brings together just some of my favourite things. He brings the the sort of 
rhythmic zing of uh, Brazilian, Latin kind of vibe music, very percussion heavy, but then also uh, just like the kind of intuitive beautifulness of pop music. And then in some, sometimes in, in one song, he'll shift between those all the way through to free, dra- free jazz where it just goes off the rails and it's just madness and then it kind of comes back on the rails. And for me, that's just such an amazing adventure to have all of those elements. Can you think of any um, popular artists, mm. and I say artists which you know are getting sort of millions of hits on YouTube or streams on, on Spotify, that may have a jazz uh, background um, that people sort of might be unaware of, or at least in their song composition, there's stuff going on which isn't just that, you know, four chords and a dream. Mm, Any sort of artist you could think of? Probably, especially in uh, modern sort of neo-soul, R&B, sort of Frank Ocean kind of stuff. Um, Mac Miller, even. Um, Anderson Pack. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that people might not even necessarily realise is very jazz heavy. It just sounds kind of cool. I, I often it makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, this just is like the perfect m- music for cafe. And then I'm like, oh, this is just like the modern elevator music. I've I've spent years of my life learning the modern elevator music, but it's great as well. In a way, it's it's a it's gateway music. Yes, to, you know, sort of yes. a, to good times. Another exactly <laughs> to another world. Um, uh, you did reel off a whole heap of composers. Yes. Is there any particular track, uh, perhaps from uh, any of those? Um, uh, as you say, neoclassical yeah. uh, composers that we could we could play now. Uh, neoclassical composers, yes. Uh, if we could put on um, Philip Glass's closing, this was one of the ones in my teens that really inspired me. Uh, after I discovered Philip Glass through his um, composing on this great movie called. Kuyani Skatsi, and I'm not going to spell that out for you. You just have to try and Google it. But that's an amazing movie, and that led me later to this this track of his.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tom Harris on Plains FM 96.9. Hey, my sisters and brothers, it's Brad from the Butlers and the Singleton Mingle. If you're looking for a top-notch screen printer for your next big shindig, then go down to see James at Against the Grain Screen Printing. He's been printing out t-shirts and merch for the Mingle for many, many moons. He's an absolute ledge, and he's one of the few qualified textile lords in the city. So get down and see him. You're guaranteed a great price and a mean result. Check him out on the World Wide Web, atgscreen.co.nz. That's atgscreen.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tom Harris on Plains FM 96. Point nine, uh, Tom. Uh, you've been doing music, you know, all the way back since you were five. Briefly, briefly. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the first big concert that you uh, went along to, perhaps with a, a named artist? I do remember uh, my mum taking us uh, to a lot of uh, music at the town hall, a lot of classical concerts. So you were raised in Christchurch? Yes, yes, raised in Christchurch. So I actually haven't been back to the town hall since it's uh, reopened, so that'll be fun. Um, I I remember becoming totally obsessed by um, Joseph and the amazing Technicolored Dreamcoat. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful show. Do, as you do when you're a kid, sort of learning all the all the songs. What else have you seen pre-2011 at the Christchurch Town Hall? Oh my goodness. Um, I No, that, that would probably... Um, that, it's about exhausted my memories, actually, from there. Um, I, I remember seeing quite a few cool jazz things through the Jazz Fest, um, especially at the DCCR, the... Uh, recital room in the the jazz school um but i actually i wasn't a massive concert goer and i still listen a lot more um at home than i go to to concerts um why is that uh i I think it's just (laughs) to be brutally honest it's my dad's bloody protestant uh, saving ethic that i'm like oh bit stingy bit scottish uh <laughs> but i also nowadays i have more of an appreciation for the fact that you you go to a concert not so much for the music because the the sound quality is often much worse that's that's what i was going to ask yeah. you because um you do seem to uh, be someone who sort of sort of likes the uh, the finer side of of music and there is a lot lost yeah. in being able to to reproduce that Unless you are uh, an established, amazing group. I keep coming back to Radiohead. Mm, mm. A lot of people have said yeah. the sound at their their gigs is um, is is immaculate. So, you, so you've got that issue between, you know, oh, let's not get along. What about, are you not missing out on the experience and, exactly, the, and the, yeah. pe- the people around yeah, you? Yeah, so that's definitely why I appreciate going to gigs more. Uh, more recently i guess i undervalued that before and the there's yeah there's just an there's an amazing it can it can be absolutely amazing or it can be terrible i feel like it's more extreme at gigs isn't it when you go and see them like if the sound is bad or if one of your favorite performers just underwhelmed you it's sort of heartbreaking uh but it but if it if there's just that magic ingredient you just can't beat it and even actually, um, in terms of playing as a as a performer, um, 
thinking about it and yeah as someone who plays who's done some session work and some record recorded some stuff but also um knows what it feels like to play on a gig uh sometimes uh i've chosen to uh release recordings of live shows uh like uh yurt party uh, CD which we uh, recorded as a live concert last year because that's just the perfect energy for the band it's a live band and so sometimes it makes a lot more sense whereas with other bands of course you know they they sound better beautifully produced Yurt Party and Deepwater Creek yeah. uh, seem like very different beasts yes. um, is there any sort of head switching that needs to be done oh, yeah. in terms of intention totally so um, Yurt Party is a sort of Eastern European Balkan beats, sort of taking traditional crazy fast uh, umpa sort of melodies, uh, violin sort of driven, accordion kind of vibe, uh, and then having a lot of uh, modern beats or mix, sort of Latin or reggae or ska, uh, even some house kind of uh, beats thrown in there. Um, and Deepwater Creek is more on kind of the rock indie folk spectrum. Uh, my roles are just totally different for those bands and uh, it's quite interesting thinking about them. In uh, Deepwater Creek, I'm, uh, I think of myself, uh, it's a really big band in terms of sound, even without me. Um, Josh Braden on guitar is just this amazing guitarist who can totally fill up the sound and it's such a great way and Thomas Bister on drums um just a really great big sound and my my job is to actually fit in the, the gaps uh without getting in the way um and which just adds that extra sparkle what sort of sounds are you providing mm -hmm. uh sometimes it's piano uh, like a lot of reverb just to give it that nice vibe uh often it's organ which is that nice sort of transparent kind of thing that doesn't get in the way too much but just fills and lifts everything yeah, up sits about here sometimes. yeah synth kind of... uh often synth sounds um yeah so sort of a, uh, an interesting mix but that's a real fun challenge to try and um work with like a super powerful guitar and not just default to playing crappy piano chords that just clog up the mix mm. and then yurt party is a total different challenge so i play the the piano and the bass at the same time so like key key bass um and my job there is sort of um someone described it as like kind of the glue of the band because i'm sort of uh directing the band to a certain extent as well um it's a we're playing songs but then there's a lot of improvisation in the moment happening. We might shift genres or shift speeds or shift tunes uh, totally on the fly. And me and Tom Isbister, who's again the same drummer in both bands, have this really wonderful relationship where we're just sort of listening to each other and you just catch these little moments where it's like, oh, now we're in a different feel. It's very much kind of a rhythm section um, feel going on. Yeah. Has there ever been the temptation to get a little deep water in your party <laughs> or, or vice versa yeah. just to sort of to infuse that or is that is that the benefit of um your experience and your your skill that you are bringing those complementary flavors to each sound yes i think that's definitely one of the things i've worked on most is to try and fit in different places and again another great example was um the 
um, scared scriptless, theatre sports kind of vibe. And often for that situation, the best thing to do is to play nothing. And uh, <laughs> then and then sometimes when you're singing a song, it's like resist the temptation to make it complicated. Simple is better. Uh, and then also uh, being able to, uh, because so much of it is not about just piano, it's about finding really quickly finding the right sound for the moment. So being able to switch between different patches, have drum sounds, all that kind of thing. Uh, and also knowing when to play badly and make mistakes. So uh, that's often more funny, uh, which is which is great. Uh, often someone who's uh, a less experienced musician will do a better job in that gig. So it's sort of uh, because they, you know, they're not overthinking things and maybe they made a mistake and it's funny. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's all these kind of different roles uh, that you have to do as a musician or if you're doing some session work, you're just a very small piece of the puzzle. Um, and I think that's definitely one of my strengths is that I'm really aware of those roles and that I'm just one piece of the music and I've got to try and fit in uh, without you know it's it's not about the ego of myself it's almost about the ego of making the overall thing sound as good and maybe that means not playing anything it's time for um some music and we did talk before the show and you want to play hard times by Gillian welch um why so it feels like a little bit of a de- departure from some of the other stuff you're doing sure uh i think this actually comes back to one of my uh, really strong earlier influences uh, that is quite different from the other ones of uh, Simon and Garfunkel, that kind of sound. And although um, I often don't listen to lyrics a whole lot, there are certain artists that I just love for their lyrics. And uh, Leonard Cohen has been a long-term influence. Paul Simon. Um and Gillian Welch is a more recent one of mine who I just love. Um, her simplicity of her music um, and the, the beautiful uh, arrangements that are usually or often just two guitars and two voices I find really magical. Um, and that whole sort of uh, folk sort of Appalachian vibe um uh, Americana uh, I re- just really love I love a bit of the twang I think um, this particular song I I love um, it reminds me a bit of Neil Young sometimes the the verses are so totally different from the chorus lyrics that it just you never quite know you're like how did they make that connection and it, it just sort of keeps you thinking and keeps searching the lyrics uh, and also um, hard times ain't gonna rule my mind no more i think i found that really poignant uh, because like a lot of people i've had some hard times and um i remember listening to the song and yeah feeling feeling uh its support i guess uh, emotional support there was a captain Used to plow and sing And he loved that mule And the mule loved him When the day got long As it does about now I'd hear him singing to his mule 
Playing high time 
Thanks for being here today. I'm exceptionally thankful to Mint Finance for sponsoring Gardener Sound. They've been around since 2014, offering finance to businesses of all sizes through secured and unsecured loans, starting out at just $5,000 on terms of up to five years. Obviously, T's and C's apply on all lending. Now, the best part of Mint, they're super easy to deal with, and they know what they're talking about because they understand business and what you, as a business owner, need from a finance partner. Now, if you've got a great idea and you just need the finance to see it through, then get in touch with Mint today. You can call them on 0800 or visit mintfinance.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tom Harris on Plains FM 96.9. We just heard Hard Times by Gillian Welch. Um, I want to talk about um, the new Deepwater Creek EP, which has just come out a couple of weeks ago. So tell me about the, the creation of that, the content but then let's move on to the the production. So who's responsible for writing the um, the material in that group? Uh, the wonderful Matty Smith. Uh-huh. Matthew Smith, yes. Yeah. So he wrote uh, How did you guys songs, meet? Except for one, actually, on that, uh, which was written by Josh Braden, Sandbag. And we met, uh, I think he just messaged me out of the blue originally through uh, Friends of Friends. Uh, he was looking for some players. He'd... Um, he, yeah, he's played with a bunch of different people. He had a rock band, uh, Von Von Strum, um, back in the day, and has played with some great musicians since then. And yeah, he was just looking for a, a new phase, I think. Uh, yes. Okay, so it's responsible for, for the material. Mm. Um, in what sort of form does it arrive with you? And then how do you sort of put put the tom on it? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, in this particular band, um, in the band setting, I I feel like I have a much smaller role on the overall flavouring, and that's as it should be. Um, so Maddie will arrive and with, with the song in terms of uh, lyrics and a general guitar feel, and then um, it will, and often a form, and the band will develop it from there and we'll often try out a few different things and maybe argue out a few different things which is all just part of the fun and process uh, but also uh, Maddie and I more recently have been having some fun um, just uh, catching up every uh, week or so and uh, doing some recording just demo recording at home um, so just recording him singing and playing guitar and then I'll um, try out adding a few different sounds on top so a much more sparse a bit a more Gillian Welch perhaps vibe um, yeah which I really enjoy are you seeing this as something uh, outside of Deepwater Creek uh, pro- probably not I mean often music is quite ambiguous I think in that kind of thing um, but it's really fun to uh, see a song Sometimes it's it's interesting what results you get uh, when you start a song with a uh, you know you take the song through a process away from a band um, and you get oh cool this is this is its identity and then you bring it back into the band and it will definitely change from what you had uh, but it might end up in a different place from if you just brought it straight away to the band um, so that's that's been fun and Maddie is a great example of. Uh, someone who can work really nicely in a very sparse, stripped-out vibe or in that much more rocky vibe. 
Yeah. Sounds great. And what's the name of the EP? Set Me Free. So tell me about the production process for that. You've got the you've got the songs uh, together. Where was it recorded? Uh, it was actually recorded. There's four songs and they were recorded in two different locations. Uh, two of the songs were, uh, I think it's called Round, Roundup Studio, somewhere in town. Round, I forget the name. Uh, with Elmore Jones as sound engineer and they were recorded live uh, all in the same room. Uh, so that was great. And we we decided that that was the sound we wanted to go for um, to capture the live energy of the band. And then the other two songs, um, Set Me Free and Sandbag, were recorded uh, more step-by-step step, uh, with Ryan Fisherman at his home studio in Christchurch. The Hut. The Hut. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Although, no, actually, when I think about it, it was at his studio, but Elmore worked on those ones as well. And uh, so two d- very different processes and they're more atmospheric, layered songs. Um, so naturally... Uh, we were picking the right things for the right songs, the right tools for the right songs. Looking at the end product, there are some fantastic results being achieved in what one may describe as a stripped back setting Mm. or production space. Why... Is there the necessity to spend absolute megabucks on going into the best studio in the world, do you think? Mm, it's a great question. And I'm thinking of this video I saw um, of Sufjan Stevens, uh, just a phone recording, uh, one of his tracks off. It wasn't the final one um, off uh, Carrie and Lowell, his uh, really big album. Um, but it could have been. It was that good. And I think it was just an iPhone recording and sounds amazing or one of my other favorites m ward uh, who has a really great sort of lo-fi recording technique that just totally suits the music he's done i think it depends a lot on the type of music you're doing uh, so if you're doing chart topping pop often it needs to have that particular sound which is very uh very big very maxed out or bright and probably the best way to achieve that is with that kind of studio setup. But uh, I definitely think more and more artists are realizing uh, you don't necessarily need all the bells and whistles. You just need a couple of really good bells and whistles. It's time for some music. Um, it's not strictly just Tom on his own. No. Um, there will be a chance for that later in the show. Um, I'd love to hear something by Deepwater Creek. Is there a particular track off the EP? Um that yes. you have sort of a, a special attachment to? Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's play Set Me Free. Why do you want to play that one? This one is just incredibly moving, I find. I think it really shows Matty uh, his heartfelt most. See if you 
Coming up tomorrow night at D4 in Wollstone, it's ice and you're in for a real treat as the team transform your favourite club dance floor into a magical glacial experience. Ice is going to be a one-of-a-kind AV extravaganza presided over by Craig Shaw, Aragorn Urquhart and just announced Robbie Glass from Sydney bringing you the latest in uplifting house and tech party vibes. Tickets for this clubbing experience are going fast so get your crew together for an amazing ice theme night. You can book now at eventbrite.com and you can find out more on the D4 Facebook page that's facebook.com forward slash D4 that's D the number 4 venue. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Tom Harris on 96.9 Plains FM. Uh, we just heard a track of uh, Set Me Free, which is Deepwater Creek's uh, latest EP. Tom, um, what's on the horizon for Tom? <laughs> uh, well, right now I'm uh, doing my postgrad in psychology, so that's taking up a lot of time that would be otherwise dedicated to music. And what is the timeline for, for completing that? And, and is it a doctorate? Uh, it's just honours at the moment, but looking to do masters next year. Uh, yeah, so probably a year and a half more. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm always trying to claw back time to do music as well. And one of the next things that I'm quite excited about doing is uh, doing some, uh, releasing some solo piano work. And I realised... Uh, mid last year I was thinking it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time and so I thought oh, I'll sit down and re- re- uh, compose some music write it out and have a strong idea of some stuff and then I thought this is this is kind of stressing me out a bit that's not really my style why don't I just I'm an improviser why don't I just sit down hit record and play a bunch of things and see what happens and maybe there'll be little bits there that I can then go back to and turn into songs and I did that, I recorded over a couple of weeks, uh, just whenever I had a moment I would sit down and play, and then I took all the recordings to a cafe and just listened through them and deleted the bits I didn't like and kept the bits I liked, and then I thought, actually, this is this really captures me, this is uh, fluid and not particularly songy often, um, but exactly how I want it to be. And uh, so I, I realized, ah, uh, to be a composer, you don't necessarily need to write it all down or have a preconceived idea. Uh, you can have a totally different composing method, uh, which is uh, imp- improvisational in nature. And for me, that suits me much better. Mm-hmm. Um, any different styles or any people that you'd like to work with uh, in the future? 
uh, everybody. I just love working with everybody. I know that's, that's not very helpful, but um, I think I probably do most of the styles already in my in my working life. Uh, I do want to work more with singers. Um, I really enjoy a bit of uh, putting on a bit of a production hat, uh, or at least sort of uh, not necessarily as final producer, but helping songwriters develop and then being able to take that to a studio so with maddie smith uh, i'm looking forward to working a bit with my friend phoebe hurst hopefully um who she's a, a great actor and singer and songwriter uh we talked a lot about scared scriptless yes. during the interview um when can we see you uh doing your bit during that so i can be found uh usually once or twice a month um playing for scared scriptless I don't know yet for this month, unfortunately. So it's we'll just take a gamble and head along yes. to the court theatre to uh, to to check you out, uh, Tom. It's been absolutely brilliant to to have you on the show um, to to find out um, all about you and what you've um, been up to. Um, be good to hear um, a little bit of a, a Tom Harris original. I mean, you were talking about that stuff that you were going through in the cafe and so on. Is there a particular piece uh, that you'd like to play? There is indeed, and they don't have uh, real names, but. I believe that this is piano number 35 or something like that. So Fantastic. Enjoy. Thank you. Okay, it's time for my track of the week, and this time from Katie Thompson off her forthcoming album, Bittersweet. Some may say it's a strange choice as a first single, as it's a cover of a Fred Eaglesmith song written over 20 years ago. But it's been endorsed as a single by Katie's producer, Ben Edwards, and he knows a thing or two about music. So here it is, Alcohol and Pills.
That's all for today. My guest was Tom Harris. You can find out more about what he's up to by going to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on Tom's photo on the front page. Next week, it's Portland. It's the awesome, talented youngsters out of Kashmir High School who wound us at Garden of Sound Live last month. This has been Garden of Sound, presented by Mint Finance. Business loans made easy. So until next week, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi, da.